increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more important, the markets are that you find the right agent. And that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn, comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases totaling over $3.5 million, and I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link, and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Welcome to SDRonomics, everybody. I'm Bill Faith. This is Kenny <laughs> well, we're going to talk about budgeting for 2023 today while Kenny sips on the Lord's water there in that Chick-fil-A cup. I didn't really know that was a thing. You know, I mean, do we, have you and I talked about this. You called it the Lord's chicken too. I thought John Hodge, the, <laughs> the, Lord's, saying, yeah. called it the Lord's chicken. Yep. The Lord's chicken because they're closed on Sundays. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Come on. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, everybody <laughs> does that. Like, John, so what do you call Bucky's? Have you ever been to a Bucky's? I have been to a Bucky's. I say that's like a pure representation of Texas right there. You know, like, that's just I'm sorry they don't have Whataburgers inside of them, but that's a whole nother podcast we can get into. Whataburger know, right? versus In-N-Out versus Five Guys versus Shake Shack. We'll do that podcast later. How does investing in STRs near Bucky's impact revenue? <laughs> that's what I'm wow, that, uh, I, I want to know that data because we just had two open, but relatively close to us. And the world's largest Bucky's is probably two, two to two and a half months away from opening on the main I-40 exit to go to Gatlinburg, believe it or not. The biggest wow. one in the, wor well, the world, you know, the country. The world of Bucky's, yes. Yes, exactly. I stopped at my first one, though, uh, a couple of weeks ago on my way back from uh, North Carolina and had a brisket sandwich. So it was actually really good. It's still a gas station. I don't get what everybody loves. It's a Walmart of gas stations, essentially. It's funny, like, uh, we'll have people in New York go down south or something and we'll come back in, like, Bucky's t-shirts and all kinds of gear, you know, koozies. Yeah. And you're like, crazy. Okay. The <laughs> 13-year-old daughter came back with like pajama pants and uh, like the Bucky, you know, seatbelt cushion thingy. And yeah. <laughs> you're like, all right. <laughs> I mean, she was excited about it. And finally, when she went to bed, I'm like, Bri, how much fucking money did you spend on gear at, at Bucky's? Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It, it is what it is. All right, let's talk about the budgeting for 2023, Kenny. You and I were just briefly chatting before we we started this episode, and a lot of people, one, don't budget. They don't forecast. A lot of people don't do anything with their finances. This is the STR Nomics podcast. It's more than just buying properties. Uh, this is about financing and the economics and all that type of stuff. And I think it's really important that we have a good understanding of what we should be budgeting because- Toilet paper is more expensive than it was a year, year and a half ago. Yep. Uh, cleaning supplies are, you know, the, if you're doing welcome gifts, bottled water is more expensive. I know quite a few of my cleaners are raising their pricing just because they have to pay their cleaners more. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't take into consideration is like, how far do your cleaning crews have to drive? Because they can't afford to live where we invest in vacation rental markets. A little bit different if you're in urban markets, Philly, Nashville, Houston, you know, whatever. So I know how I, I'm budgeting for 2023. I'll kind of let you lead in. 
What are your thoughts on 2023? What are you looking at revenue-wise, expense-wise? How are you putting your budgetary thoughts together? Yeah. So one thing that I try to do, we should all really be doing this, but we as human beings have a real short-term memory. Like we forget, you know, like we're going to forget in the middle of summer next year, we're going to forget how Airbnb screwed up the algorithm and our listings dropped in November and we lost out on revenue in December. Because when we're in the height of the good times, we're not thinking about the bad times and preparing for times that could change, like what just happened in November, December. And so I think that it's good to, you know, we should all be obviously running profit and loss statement PLs every single month, but we should also kind of plan and have that, keep that in mind in the back of our minds, the events that had occurred and journal them, note, write them down, you know, and, and what that did to your revenue. And then consider that in, you know, 2023, because a lot of our markets are seasonal. You know, when I say seasonal, like sure you can, you still get bookings in the winter time, but, or whenever your off season is, but it's, it is seasonal. You, there's mark, there's times of the season where you literally don't have to try and you'll get bookings. And we need to, we need to use that revenue. For me, I have to master this, especially in the markets I'm in, because it is very seasonal here. I mean, we're talking, and truly, like if I didn't know what I was doing, it would be just a May to September market or May to October. But I can extend that my, you know, call it the shoulder season a little longer than most other people. But I do have an off season, especially my new property in Watkins Glen. And so I have to know how much I need to make and set aside to just cover the expenses when the season is well in advance. And I think anyone, whether you're looking into a new market, whether you're in a current market, you need to look at the different things that have happened in the last couple of months. And you need to expect them to happen again in the next year. Whether they happen or not, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but they could happen. And especially like the dropping in rankings and stuff in the, you know, during a, a shoulder season, I should say, for me at least, I'm considering that. I'm saying before I was personally budgeting for, for Buffalo, my experience, I've been in the market for four years now. Every single year, even during COVID, the low season for me was January to mid-April, okay? COVID, it probably extended into May and then it picked right up and it was, you know, the best best times of my life kind of thing. But I still knew there's a low season and it came the next year and here it is again. And it got a little bit longer because of what happened in December to me. So I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. I'm actually writing, I wrote it down when the dates were, what happened, how much revenue I lost, you know, and I can still track that, but I'll know next summer, hey, I need to think about this could happen to me again for December and, and extend my like low season in my mind just to prepare um, because None of us want to get caught with our pants down and in a panic where we don't have the funds to take care of something. And so for me personally, it's just preparing and, and thinking about what could happen again and making sure that that knowledge is kept in, in a journal or in some notes or something where I can see it when, when the times are good. Wow. So I agree with you 100%. And it's kind of amazing to me. People that forgot about how bad, you know, being an entrepreneur was in almost all industries in the fourth quarter of 2008, really all the way through 2010. 2009 was abysmal. Started a little bit of a recovery in 2010. You know, they call it the Great Recession for 
for a reason, right? And people forgot about that because times were good from 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, boom, 20, February of 2020, COVID hits. Nobody could predict COVID, but a lot of people didn't have savings. They didn't have carry costs, you know, budgeted for, for their business. And right now we are seeing, you know, what I think is kind of our COVID, if you will, you know, we, and, and we went through COVID and for a lot of us in the short-term rental space, COVID was a, it was probably, it, it's geographic, right? So you were impacted differently than I was, you know, being in, specifically invested into the South, we had about 30 What's COVID? Days. <laughs> What's COVID? Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, if you're in California, if you were in Boston, if you were in Manhattan, you know, anywhere really in New York and that type of stuff, the Northeast, the West Coast, down. Yeah. it was completely different. So our beaches opened on, basically Nashville opened, the beaches opened in Florida and Alabama by like May 1st. It was very short lived for us. And we went to zero. My family and I actually left Nashville and went down to Gulf Shores and stayed in Fort Morgan for almost two months, you know, during that. But as soon as it opened, man, the floodgates and we went from zero to like, this is insane. Imagine if companies like Stay Alfred or whoever could have sustained just 90 days, right? You don't want to be Stay Alfred. If you don't know who Stay Alfred was, they had like eight high rises in Nat, two or three in Nashville, one in Austin and Miami. They had done a hundred million dollars in a series. I think it was maybe 87, 80 so on million dollars in like series A funding. They had like 2000 units and they were arbitraging and they were gone. <sighs> Wiped off the map within 30 days, BK. Because whoever was running that company did not have the mindset, I will say. It's not the financial wherewithal. I'm sure they had the experience, but they were just growing and growing and growing. We always need to have some form of security blanket and you know have safety. I can tell you, I, my businesses, Kenny, I wouldn't have made it through COVID if I didn't have 12 months of operating capital. And that 12 months of operating capital burned faster than I thought it would. Because nobody plans to go to zero. So when I was in the ground transportation space uh, doing this, I was the first vendor in our industry to say, look, you guys are suffering. I'm going to go to zero with you. I'm giving everything away for free indefinitely and not didn't charge up anybody, even though I probably could have and helped them go through that. If I didn't have EIDL or PPP, you know, through my for my staff and all that type of stuff. I would have went out of business because I burned through nobody. I budgeted, you know, okay, maybe I'll lose 50%. Didn't think it would go to 100%. So learning those lessons, and you're right, people have a very short mind, especially when it goes from like zero to 100 miles an hour overnight. Mm -hmm. And we go through really 20, probably almost 26, 27 months of the best time in the history of short-term rentals. Well, when you go from a great economy to zero, Back to an industry that's going like this, something's got to give. And the data analyst over here knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you just study the economy, you study the stock market, it's like eight to 10 years like clockwork. And we were overdue for something like COVID. Who would have believed something like that would happen? Right. So we go, our, our, everything in our life goes like this home prices, stock prices, just everything. So I think we're on a on a path to to really have the economic component that's about probably two to three years overdue. And you look at every single economist right now, there's like 77% of economists are predicting that we're going to have another 20 to 30% downturn in 2023. So 
one of my co-hosting clients, Bill Carmen, the guy that owns a house two doors down from me in Gulf Shores, said, what do you expect for revenue in, in 2022 or 23? Just this week, he sent me a text. We did 257 in 21. We just got a like a $4,200 booking. I think we did 248 or on, on track to finish out this year at 248. So roughly the same, call it 250. And I said, I would budget 175 to, one, to 195. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I mean, 30% of 250 is 75 grand, right? I'm budgeting 20 to 30%. Now, I think what Kenny said earlier, we can outmarket that and we can beat those numbers. But I'm setting my budget. I'm very conservative, very conservative. If I'm budgeting, I want a 20% delta in, the, in that budget, right? Whether I'm buying a property, I'm going to, even though I, we, John Hodge, the mastermind markup, 30%. I look at mine, I'm tip, I'm right around 45 to 50% above the 90th percentile of air DNA numbers. And I'm still going to pull those down by 10%. And I'm going to overestimate my expense by 10%. So I have a 20% delta. Every investment, I do that. Because I've learned my lesson through the Great Recession. I've learned my lesson all the way back to the sales and loan crisis. I've learned my lesson through 9-11, you know, the tech bubble. And, you know, 1999, 2000, all of those things. And I learned from my grandfather who grew up in the Great Depression that, you know what, there's always good times and bad. And if you have money and the bad times, you can thrive. There's a huge, there's a, a big difference right now. If you have $100,000 in investable cash versus a million dollars in investable cash, right? And the people that whether you're buying real estate or you're starting businesses, as we go, as the economy gets slower and slower and slower, it's going to be cheaper to be able to do that. But it's not just the revenue that we need to be forecasting. Our expenses are going to increase in the 2023. They already have in 2022. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, cleaning costs, you know, have gone up just for, you know, decent cleaners. I can't tell you how many people are, I, I look at their performance and, you know, they, they have like a, for like a four or five bedroom property, like $200 a clean. They're like, yeah, I found somebody for that. And I said, is that the industry standard? Is that the average? Well, no, they said they're giving me a good deal. And I'm like, I, I mean, you can, sure, but what if that person doesn't work out? And what if they move on? I mean, there's a high probability. I All of my properties, I, ne I, have not, I am not with the same cleaner. Properties I've had for years, even properties I just got this year, I'm not with an original cleaner I had started with. And you could say, well, Katie, that was just poor choice or whatever. And some people, are, I'm lucky I've been with a cleaner forever. But most people, they typically have different cleaners. And guess what? Every time you switch, the prices usually go up. So that's something to consider too is, is cleaning costs and you know supplies and things like that. That in, Increasing that for your budgeting as well. So I think one of the things that scares me, Kenny, on the budgeting side is people think that the past is the predictor for the future. And, yeah. you know, people are are buying their budgeting based on the T12s, the, the trailing 12s, right? And we talked about this like in the data analysis. People are evaluating properties with your tool or anybody else's. And, oh, yeah, this, this property is going to do $100,000 a year. Well, it did over the last 12 months. What's it going to do over the next 12 months? So if I show you a property... You and I talked about this. You know, I had I had you, I was on the road and I had you run a couple of properties for me in Montana that I'm going to see in a few days, right? Yeah. And, you know, 
I think they both are around 100, you know, 90 to 120,000 or something like that. And that's the trailing 12 months, correct? So yeah. if I say, Kenny, what should I budget? If it's going to do 100,000, if it's trailed $100,000, what should I budget going into 2023? Well, I run three models. Most people should run at least three. A good, better, best. <laughs> like you run what, and that would be, I would put that as better, maybe best even, you know, run a very conservative like you need to run a model that says, okay, if it's only going to make 120,000, what was the number? Was it 120? Uh, I mean, the con the million dollar condo was like 90 to 100 in the yeah, pile so, of SDR insights. Yeah, especially with a condo, I'd probably maybe drop that down to 60 or 70. Well, yeah. that's one of the things, right? And you and I talked about it on the call. I can't force value. I have less right. likelihood to force value in a condo. Right. So I looked at a million dollar condo in Big Sky. That was one of them. Um, is a two bedroom, two bath. And the first property I'm looking at on Monday afternoon is a million dollar, three bedroom, three baths, almost four acres on the Flathead River, right? So it's on the river and I can see Glacier National Park or no, I can see Whitefish Mountain or whatever it's called there, right? So I have a much larger canvas to get those kayaks we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I, have, I, I have different... Anyway, I don't want to get into the whole thing about the property, but I have a bigger canvas. I have more marketability. I have more amenity investment. If you if you guys don't know what Kenny and I are talking about, go back and listen to the last podcast episode because Kenny talks about the most valuable amenities going into 2023 in a specific market. So how big does that play into you when you're doing it? If somebody asks you that question, how do I budget going into 2023 is property specific and kind of the canvas that they have to play with, with those amenities that we talked about. Or the marketability, the views as an example. I mean, does that make a difference to you if you have more marketability or less marketability? Or are you just budgeting straight off data? No, I think you have to budget in marketability. If you don't have the ability to market something else, then you need to run a worst case scenario, like really extreme worst case scenario, because you know, you're going to end up competing on price in a worst case scenario. You know, and it's a zero sum game, you know, you're headed to the bottom. And I think that we should also try to budget for potential amenities we can add as well. I, you know, we're talking about worst case scenarios, but I also think that we need to think about, okay, what do I need to add in 2023 or what should I plan in terms of budgeting for 2023 to add certain things? So like I, I, I court. what's that? Like a pickleball court. Yeah, like a pickleball court. Who knows? Like, it's about setting aside something and saying, look, you know, I know I'll need to add something. Let me set aside, you know, five, 10% of my revenue that I can use for a particular amenity that I might learn about in the future that I'll need to add to improve my marketability. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains, the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina and the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina? My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty has you covered. And one of the things that I love about Tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals. He takes a no BS approach, is honest, and is filled with integrity. How do I know this? Because I've used Tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars. And he has absolutely crushed it for me. Look, if you're not sure where you should invest, he's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. He helped me invest in Banner Elk, 
North Carolina and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over, how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So if you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. I think the one thing that all of you need to really be honest with yourself about is your house. So Kenny said good, better, best, right? So like every time I ever talk about evaluating properties, whether it's by myself, with Kenny, with the Bank Whisper, you know, we're, we're like with John as an example, we talk, we talk about running multiple performance. I go back to my very first boot camp and when I'm showing how to evaluate and it's good, better, best, right? At that time, it was like 75th percentile of the hair DNA, right. yeah. 90th percentile, and then, you know, 20 or 30% above it. So if you have a average property, that's like just average Joe, there's nothing wrong with it. It's nice. It's good. But the location is a B, B or a B plus. The views are a B. You know, that's going to be a challenge from a marketability standpoint. You know, and if other people have amenities that you don't, because the model that I've been teaching and a lot of people have adopted over the last two years of having your pricing way up here, we're going to have to work twice as hard to earn that and have way more separation for that value. It's just not going to be automatic anymore, right? So, I mean, the whole pricing strategy has changed. I think pricing is a much bigger factor in Airbnb's algorithm for rankings today than it was eight weeks ago, like probably to the tune of 30 to 40%. And if you're not ranked like in the top five to 10 listings, not pages, listings on page one, you're not going to get the opportunity to be able to be 20, 30, 40, 50% price above somebody else, right? You, you have to get into the top five for that, in my opinion. And you need to be one of the first ones that somebody's going to click on because you got to scroll stop them and get them to stop. So I, I, I'm looking at those intangibles into my budget and it scared the shit out of me, Kenny. You talk about algorithm changes. When my big Gulf Shores property went from page one for everything except for occupancy of like one through five to page 17 after I lowered my cleaning fee. Thank God it recovered within 48 hours. And that's the thing with the algorithm, you know, new ones that go like this because they're, you know, adjusting and screwing other stuff up as you very well know, but if it <laughs> yep. stabilizes, it sta that one property is stabilized back into position, but I am not in the same position that I was. I was in an average placement for dates and occupancy of number three on page one forever. And I would average those out because if you don't know how rank freeze works, now the algorithm works, it's not like you're always in position one or two. It's based on occupancy, it's based on date, and you can actually drop in your competitors and see how you compare with them on price. So I've just lowered my pricing going into, I'm booked for Christmas and through New Year's, but really going into January and February bookings. I did not lower it for, you know, March and prime time in the summer, but to be competitive and try to get some bookings because I was priced like 30% higher. And I think that's something that I see with people that are using dynamic pricing tools, that they're overpriced in most cases based on the historicals. And I don't know how their algorithms work with Price Labs and Beyond and Wheelhouse and that type of stuff enough to comment on it, but I've had to manually go down and reduce that pricing. 
So I think one of the things I want you to think about in your budget is if you're average Joe, you're going to be competing on price, right? And you don't want to compete on price. And if you're competing on price, can you use the term zero sum game? I mean, that's really what's going to happen. It's going to have to become a volume play. And what I see is the middle is being eliminated like it has in, in, in our economy with Kmart going away, Sears going away. A lot of those mid-tier restaurants, you know, have gone away. And so you're going to see the luxury properties, the experiential properties, the tree houses, the really nice houses, and you're going to see the volume-based houses. And those ones in the middle are going to get squeezed. Either you're going to have to lower your pricing down to compete on the bottom level, or you're going to have to really step up your game to improve the property amenity-wise, decor-wise, experiential-wise to get up to that you know higher level. Well, we're already seeing that. I mean, I've been seeing that for months now. A good testament, a good market to... To confirm it, I mean, it's happening in North Georgia mountains. Like the, I call it the STR gap. Or the Here comes Kenny, the, the North Georgia mountain hater. Let's yeah, hear it. But I, I mean, like, uh, let me pick on another market then. Uh, saw well, it, well, I mean, in all fairness, Kenny, I mean, the average houses in North Georgia have been getting crushed, right? The yes, good yeah, ones, exactly. I mean, it's the good it's, hosts. The 90 the, is getting better. Yep. And, you know, they're doing better than they were a year ago and everybody else is doing worse. And that that divide between of the wealth or the revenue wealth between the low and, you know, everybody else in the 90th percentile above is widening. Right. Um, and so that and that's exactly what you just said. And that's going to occur in not just North Georgia mountains, but almost everywhere. That It's just going to it is happening. It's not that it, it's a matter of time. It, it is happening today. And it's I'm going to defend Kenny happening. about the North Georgia mountains. He's not a hater because it's be, because of what's happening, what you just stated and what right. I stated, right? So those people complain, oh, you hate, you know, Ella J and Blue Ridge. He doesn't hate it. It's they're in that 90th percentile and above. The ones in that, you know, 25th to 60th percentile, those are the ones that are struggling right now, right? And that, that's, again, that's basically, that just turns it into the pricing game. You know, the price is right. That's all it is. When you're, none of us want to be there with half a million dollar to million dollar investments. You know, if you've got a sub $300,000 investment, that's a whole different game. Charge your 99 bucks to 150 all day long, you know, and net 20, 30,000 bucks a year, you know, and, and get, you know, 20, 30% cash on cash. That's a good deal for something like that. But, you know, if, if you're higher, you know, you really need to consider kind of where you want to be. I've talked about forever. The middle is just the worst place to be in almost all things in life. And really in business, it's it's the worst, right? I want to be the high-end steakhouse or I want to be McDonald's, right? And yeah. just look at everything that you grew up with, no matter how old you are and how things change and you watch what gets eliminated. It's the middle almost every time. So can you did kind of avoid my question. What are you budgeting for a downturn in revenue in 2023? Just as a whole, what do you see the industry as a whole? Not specific market, not, you know, it's specific property. What what would you what are you budgeting as a downturn? Anything? 20? Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a very very fair number. Yeah, I think it's like you know, it's it's it just just across the board. I mean, just twenty percent. And the reason why I say I I came up with, how did I come up with twenty percent is, you know, that's that's kind of what I was off for, for some of my projections uh, based on you know the numbers I was running in terms of like well, the good, better, best model. Like where would I sit in that? 
you know, and, and it was really right now for my newer property, I should say, Watkins Glen, it sat with the, um, it's in, it's, it's in better range, you know, it's not the best range and the best range was 20% higher. I'm totally out. I mean, it, 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 for most people looking, I'd be like best, best and best. But <laughs> so, but um, for me, I mean, it was like, okay, I didn't get this. And there's, there's, there's other factors that were in play that not just, you know, slight downturn this year or whatever, but I didn't get it. And I think it's going to continue doing that. I'm going to have to put in more effort and time as well. And so that's something else too, is time needs to be budgeted. More time needs to be budgeted. I was just going to say that what's your time valuation on an hourly basis that you're putting in? I mean, I've spent five to seven hours on average over the last couple yeah. of years because COVID has been really easy. I track my time. Um, I have to track my time for material participation to be able to take advantage of cost segs. In the last, since October 1st, just in the last couple of months, Kenny, I'm spending almost 23 hours. That's triple the amount of time. 23 hours, hours a, week. a week. Okay. A week. That's almost 100 hours a month where it used to be in the, you know, the 20 to 30 hours a month. It's absolutely yeah. tripled and my revenue is still declining year over year. Right. And this is really where I'm seeing that the dip is in the, the off season is just it's, it's like 2000. It's not even as good as my 2018 numbers were. You know, now I don't have properties that are that old, you know, to really look at year over year. So it's not an exact, you know, science for the data analyst analyst over here. But the, the question becomes is like in the, the summer months, what's going to happen between Christmas and the end of January? And I think that I think the bookings are going to be slower. But what's booked is what I'm going to be keeping my eye on and what price point I'm going to be able to get. How far is June and July going to fall off for those early bookings? as opposed to where I was at last year. So I think there's a lot, and this is what you have, your mentality, your mindset plays a huge part of your budgeting, right? So I believe my properties are unique enough. They're luxury enough to where I can afford to, and my mindset, I can afford to wait. Whereas a lot of people want to take those early bookings, you know, a bird in a hand mentality, and there's nothing wrong with that. So they might go from 10,000 to 7,000 a week. You know, they might go from 4000 to 3000 a week, and that's going to dramatically impact your budget. So you have to figure out your mindset when you're budgeting as well. But don't sit on that time valuation. I want you to understand, if you make $150,000 a year as a W-2 off of your short-term rentals, whatever that is, and you have three weeks vacation and you're working 40 hours a week, that's a standard like W-2 job, right? Then that's eight, your, your, your time's worth $88 an hour. So if you're putting in 20, 10 hours a week, that's basically, let's just call it a thousand bucks, right? For 10 hours a week. If you're putting in 20 hours a week, you're talking two grand. You know, that's two grand a week. How many weeks are there, Kenny? 52 weeks? To me, I'm not real smart, but that's a hundred thousand dollars uh, that needs to be factored into your budget. Because, and then if you're just kind of bailing water and trying to stay status quo as opposed to really improving, and trying to make more money, then you have to factor that in as well. I think there's no more important time than right now to learn how to market um, your property if you don't know how to do that, to drive more traffic to Airbnb, drive more traffic to Verbo, get more bookings, do direct bookings, all that type of stuff. Because we're going to need those skills moving forward to, one, try to sustain. Because if Kenny's saying a 20% drop, which I agree with him, I'm budgeting I'm budgeting probably just under realistically 30%. I'm looking at 20% revenue drop, and probably somewhere between five to ten percent increase um, in supplies, maintenance costs, cleaning costs, all that type of stuff. 
right? So if I have a hundred thousand dollar property, that means it's probably realistically going to be seventy to seventy-five thousand. You know, if I factor in my expenses and supplies and everything, if I have a two hundred thousand dollar property, I have a I have a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar property. Thirty percent of that scares the you know what out of me. That's like one hundred ten thousand dollars, and that's all bottom line profit that I'm going to lose off of that top line revenue because I'll probably still do the same number, roughly the same number of stays, the same number of rolls of toilet paper, the same number of bottles of water. Almost everything else will stay very consistent, most likely, because I'm not going to be able to drop my occupancy down and increase my rate anymore. So that sucks. My occupancy will probably stay somewhat similar, but my, my rates are going to come down. That dramatically in, impacts my net uh, operating income and my cash flow. Yeah. So let's kind of sum this up. Uh, we talked about time. I think, uh, you know, like the time to market, the time to you're going to have to spend on uh, basically putting that into the listing to get it to get revenue. We talked about budgeting a loss of income. I mean, that's huge. And we talked about budgeting for potential amenities that we'll need to add to the property and budgeting for uh, increases in costs of supplies, cleaners, maintenance items, furniture, even items like that. Is there any other big items that you kind of budget for, for your properties? I mean, I, I put in usually around $6,000 just for, you know, major maintenance. It seems like even my brand, my brand, my brand new house, my brand new beach house that I built new construction, I had to replace a, you know, a dryer and I had to do it same day with a speed queen that was like 2000 bucks you know, yeah. to replace a dryer. So there, there goes literally 30% of my annual budget for something like that. So I think budgeting those emergency things that have to happen because we live in a different world. If that happens at my, my primary residence here, you know, I can wait a week, you know, I'll, I'll send my clothes to the laundromat or the dry cleaners or whatever, you know, hang dry them out in the backyard. There's options, but with a short term <laughs> rental, there's not, you know, and, and no, the, emer- the, the cost to get something done fast to not impact a guest is something extremely important. I mean, I just got a bomb dropped on me, Kenny, uh, this week, $21,000 to fix at my banner elk house to fix my chimney and also leaking skylights because they they didn't put flashing in. So combined, that's a $21,000 expense. I just had to wire transfer 50% today to get that project ready to go. And it's going to impact my time because my family's staying there from the 26th through the 2nd, right? Right after Christmas. And when do you think they're doing that? They're doing it all that week while we're there, right? right. So it's kind of the double whammy. That sucks. Those are the things we can't plan with. I had a contractor inspect the house. I had a home inspector. I did all the stuff. It wasn't missed and disclosed, you know? So what am I going to do? Go sue the contractor? Go sue the, you know? No, I've got to pay to get it fixed. And it hasn't snowed, thank God. Because as soon as that snows, I'm going to have big problems. So I got to get it done now. I can't wait until spring to get that done, unfortunately. So I think a lot of people don't factor those things in. So that property, my carry costs without an expense like this is roughly around uh, $110,000, $115,000 a year. I have to drop twenty one grand into that expense line now, right? So that immediately pushes that up, let's just say from one ten dollars to $131,000. If you do not budget those unforeseen things, it's going to be, you're going to be really challenged from a financial standpoint. I mean, I never would have thought seven months in, I would have had to replace a commercial Maytag dryer. It was it under warranty. Yes. 
does that help me when I have guests checking in on a Sunday and they're staying for seven days and it's $9,000? I think it was late September, early October. No, I got to bite the bullet and replace the fucking thing immediately. And I even had to pay a $500 rush delivery charge. What do I do with that other Maytag? I don't know. They took it. I don't get any credit for it. Nothing. It sucks. But that's a cost of doing business that we have to budget for. If you live in my space, then my mindset, we have to budget for that. If you're the guy that says, hey, I only charge $125 a night and I'm just going to wait for a week to Home Depot deliver me a new one, that's okay. But you still want to budget for that as well. But there's no chance. It's one of the things, and that's just a topic for a whole nother discussion, you know, warranties. Are warranties actually worth anything for short-term rental hosts? I never buy warranty on anything because I'm going to do the exact same thing with the refrigerator or the TV or whatever. I'm going to get it replaced same day. I don't have time to go through all that. They're comparable to, it's comparable to air cover. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Agreed. Cool. So make sure you're budgeting. Kenny says 20%. I'm factoring in close to probably 7 8% of it. Just increase in cleaning fees, maintenance fees, supplies, all that type of stuff. So roughly, I'm looking at um, basically 30%. And how much time would you budget? How much more time do you think? Uh, for triple. A, triple? Three times. I mean, I told you, I'm, okay. I was five to seven hours. I'm like 23 over the last 60 days. And I don't see that slowing down at all no. uh, for me. And just so, just so everybody knows, because everybody knows I co-host and I own my own portfolio. That is for my own portfolio. That has nothing to do with co-hosting. That is just for what I own. And that's something that's going to increase probably next week. You know, as I'm pretty much certain I'll put at least one property under contract, you know, next week. And it doesn't, that's when it starts, right? It's not yeah. when it goes live. That's when it starts. That's like the crazy time. So budgeting well will give you security down the road. There's no question. Sweet. Sweet butter, Kenny. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, everybody. We really, both Kenny and I really appreciate you listening. You have no idea. Uh, Kenny said it best. What, what did you say? Do you remember what you put in the comment when Tyler posted about the podcast and we got a lot of great comments in there? Oh, I just, I just enjoyed, I uh, enjoyed reading the the comments and appreciated uh, everyone's, you know, but just put the feedback and in, in what people have to say about the, the, the show. So we both really, really appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. If you're listening on Amazon, Spotify, um, you know, iTunes, Apple, wherever, it would mean the world to us if you could just leave a quick review uh, when you get done listening to this podcast. Um, that'll just help us get it out to more people and just continue to educate them. Uh, but we really appreciate you being here. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.